Culture Affidavit, episode 108, Crazy Unreal Fox Reality Shows. Welcome to episode 108 of Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries, and if you listened to the end of last episode, you heard me mention that this time around I was going to take a look at the Image Comics series Paper Girls. But schedules have been kind of nuts lately, so I had to put that off uh, so my co-host could kind of get things together on her end. But rest assured, it will be covered in a future episode. Instead, I have an episode that Amanda and I have been thinking about doing for quite a while, and that is talking about reality television, specifically some of the more low-rent, trashier reality TV that you would have seen on the Fox network, especially in the 90s and the 2000s. So sit back and enjoy our conversation about Fox reality programming. First in the comments on a YouTube video I tried to sit by Steve Buscemi But he told me this seat's taken I know a guy who knows 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 Kevin Bacon This is something I w- we were talking about doing for a while The whole kind of just a rundown of Fox reality programming, mainly because, especially in the late 90s and early 2000s, because the two of us watched a lot of this crap mm-hmm. um, back in that time. In our, and, and Fox was kind of known for being the sort of one step above some of the really awful cable ones, because there were some worse ones on cable, like when TLC became the Honey Boo Boo and Johnny K plus A channel that was like worse than anything Fox did. But like, you know, you had... In the, real, in the whole reality TV genre of of the early two thousands, you had you know you had you had crap like The Bachelor, which is still on, but the stuff Fox put out was always a step below that in terms of you know class. Well, and I think we touched on this before. Yeah. Uh, surely we have, but you know, before Fox kind of got into their groove with like their, I know you've got Kent Weed on here. <laughs> um, Kent Weed's. Uh, fine historical uh, filmography of producing his shows you know survivor was like the first kind of yeah zeitgeisty kind of reality tv show which was is of course still on in, on cbs and then you had like fear factor on mm. nbc 
And then Fox kind of comes in with all of these very uh, specific reality shows, typically having to do with quote-unquote love. So it's interesting because Survivor is kind of like the the pinnacle, and it is still on. And then you have like The Amazing Race, which was, you know, I think the first reality show to win an Emmy. I think, think so. I think was when I think that's it. When they made it a category. When they made it a category. So yeah, but yeah, Fox definitely has like a specific kind of. I feel like not the only thing that matched Fox in the golden age of Fox reality was um, VH1 in their golden <laughs> yes. age of reality shows, which I also got sucked into. Yeah. Um, and, and around the same time, like not starting in two thousand necessarily, but in the late aughts, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um. 05 through oh, yeah. 2010, maybe. Yeah, because you were watching Rock of Love and then um, the Love Boot Camp one, and I can't remember the name of the... Tough Love. Tough Love, that's Tough what. Love with the matchmaker and yeah, his mom. Yeah, his mom, yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah, uh, and then there was, like, uh, the, the pickup artist. And the, I mean, was Reddit, like I so bad now. Oh, my God. If I think about, like, what... When I think about the fact that that was a show that VH1 paid that douchebag to teach men to be other douchebags. Yeah. Like, on purpose. Like, overtly, yeah. that was the goal. And and not only was that the goal and they got paid, I sat there and watched it on maternity leave. Yeah. I think about it now, and I'm like, you know, that's when you really can say the woke movement really did wake you up and yeah. be like, what the hell is wrong with what we're consuming? Yeah, because that was still, and that was at the tail end of that, that very what started in the late '90s and really, as millennials came of age into their early twenties in the two thousands, mm -hmm. um, that sort of guided by Maxim and HFM, that guy culture that was really. I mean, we, well, we've we, talked about it too, like that kind of weird third wave feminism yeah. of where it's like, oh, I like being objectified. Yeah. Like it's me if I if I say I like it, then I own it, and that's feminist. And yeah, you know, so yeah, it was. I guess you could sum it up with, it was a weird time. Yes. And what was interesting when I was doing a little bit of research, and by research I mean looking at list of Fox reality programs Wikipedia page, I realized that, that this is something, because we're building on a theme here with what we're talking about, you know, we've come back to these topics of toxic masculinity and, you know, how people relate to each other and how we see this reflected in television. And I think we, we come, when we talk, last year on it came from syndication we did um especially the infotainment episode where we talked about current affair and we talked about oprah and etc we did talk about how the fox affiliates were some of the ones that had all this programming and in my research in that was that fox was the fox is essentially is basically the continuation of the heir to the old dumont network which was back in the 50s went under and then um, the two Fox stations that we grew up watching, WNYW in New York and WTTG in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. were originally those those cities Dumont affiliates and Metro Media, which was the, the parent company of both of them that came out of them. These were the first syndication companies, which was owned, by the way, by John Kluge hey! from Charlottesville, who ended up selling to Rupert Murdoch when Rupert Murdoch bought all those Metro Media stations and created Fox. So it's kind of the evolution of this. And Fox premieres in 1987. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it technically premiered in, like, late 86 with yeah. the Joe Rivers show, but it, it, the, the first slate of programming, and it was only on, like, Sunday yeah, nights. I remember. Is 1987. And what I found interesting was they were doing reality in some form almost from the very beginning. And I was wondering why that... And I was like, well, I think... 
were, it's kind of a, an early pioneer of this genre, mainly probably out of necessity more than mm -hmm. anything else, because those early Fox shows, there were like two successes, three successes. You had the Tracy Ullman show, you had 21 Jump Street and Married with Children. And then, but this is pre-Simpsons and, and pre-football and pre-90210. So this is like the first three years and every other show were these just really shitty sitcoms mm -hmm. and, and a couple of other uh, other dramas and stuff. There was I remember there was a science fiction show called Werewolf that was actually pretty good, but but they had, I just kind of looked at stuff, so we're talking um, prior to 1988, you had uh, an import of, I think it was an Australian show called Beyond Tomorrow, which is basically, remember Popular Science Magazine? Mm. You could flip through and see, like, here are all the new gadgets that are coming out, or like the Sharper Image Catalog, basically. It was like an entire TV show that was basically the Sharper Image Catalog. Oh, okay. Totally hidden video. I remember which that. Which was Candy Camera, which was there to compete with TV bloopers and practical jokes. Mm. There was a documentary... I remember this one. Yearbook. Yearbook, yeah. documented by high school students in suburban Chicago, and it would later be replicated in... That was about... It was, this was about 1990. In 99 or 2000, thereabouts, there was a show called American High, mm -hmm. which was also in Chicago, but I looked it up. It was a different high school. Okay. And I actually wrote about these a few years ago on a blog post. But then... In, the, in February of 1988 and the fall of 1989, you get the two, like, stalwarts of the Fox reality lineup. You have America's Most Wanted and Cops. Yes. Tony Playboy is wanted for murder. She was a 64-year-old Sunday school teacher. He was a drifter who saw an easy target. Maybe I need a gun. With an accomplice, police say he staked out her home, and as she left for work one morning, tonight, Lance Bedgood is wanted for murder. Last Sunday, you watched his profile, then tracked down this accused killer in only 90 minutes. Tonight in Bakersfield, California, Paul Bolin is behind bars. And this L.A. gang member thought he could hide in the attic of a St. Louis home. He was wrong. Couldn't go out, couldn't be seen too much. I didn't want to live like that two months longer. Thanks to you, he's under arrest, facing six counts of attempted murder. Daryl Bailey, one of America's most wanted. Good evening from Houston for Sunday, January 14th. I'm John Walsh. Because of your tip, all three fugitives from last Sunday's broadcast were captured. Which um, premiered on different nights and then eventually became 
especially after Golden, after Golden Girls went off the air and NBC pretty much lost Saturday night, became Saturday night. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I've meant... Well, I know I've mentioned it to you before. I don't yeah. know if I've mentioned it on this esteemed podcast, but I remember being in um, fifth grade and we would come in every Monday. Like, I had just moved to Stafford. Mm-hmm. We moved in January of 1988. Yeah. And so we'd come... We'd all come in and, you know, we're 10. And um, my teacher, Mrs. Cypher, would be like, well, what'd you do this weekend? Blah, blah. And... Without fail, some kid would raise their hand and be like, so on America's Most Wanted, there's this serial killer that's like beheading women and leaving them on the side of the highway. And Mrs. Seffert would be like, we're not talking about this. I, like, I, I will never, like, it's, this is back in the day when, you know, you couldn't get fired for every little thing. Because she would stand there, and I remember one time, it, it, like, it, we were well into the spring. I mean, this had been going on every yeah. week. And she was finally like, I need to have a conversation with your parents about what they let you watch that is abhorrent and i'm just we're all sitting there like laughing because like she's being traumatized by like all the criminals on america's most wanted because that's what everybody watched on saturday yeah and before i moved to um stafford i was in this after school program because my parents both work full-time and the um one of the board games we would play is the like john walsh don't get kidnapped, kids. <laughs> board game. That's not what. Shockingly, that's not what it's actually called. But it. it there is a board game oh, about getting abducted. Like we knew who John Walsh was because of Adam Walsh. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we knew all that. So then, when when um, America's Most Wanted came out, I'm like, oh, that's the guy from the board game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a little dark. It's yeah, a dark well, time and, and, to be a middle schooler. And, and well, and this was a. Uh, um, and if you've ever read the. The story of John Walsh and Adam Walsh—it's it's very, very tragic. Of course, and it's, a, it's, and, and it's horrifying. Cer- yeah, and in certain, um, in a lot of retail establishments, if you walk in like a Kmart, Kmart's not around, like a Walmart or a Target or something, sometimes you will see a sticker on one of the doors or windows that says "Code Adam," which is a loudspeaker code for a missing child of that regard because of the fact that he was abducted from a mall or mm-hmm. a Sears or something and, yeah. and eventually his body was found and I think the general consensus was that the there was the somebody who was already in jail on a separate charge confessed to it and you know and, and that person actually I think passed away in jail but so he took what happened and turned it into this advocacy and eventually the show and we, we've actually seen that Locally, with like Morgan Harrington's parents, yeah, and, and yeah. Things. So there, so so it's, it's it's one of those things. This show was, it was sensational in some regards. I remember seeing a story on news years ago, or reading a story in Entertainment Weekly or one of the, or a magazine or something about how like people used to recognize like the reenactment oh, people yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. It really was really was one of a kind in a big way. Unsolved Mysteries was pretty close, but Unsolved Mysteries also had like other kind of weird urban legend type of stuff that had nothing and to do with the worst opening theme song. <laughs> I love it. No, it is creepy AF. I hate it. Like to this day, if I even just picture it in my in my head, in my ears, <laughs> I hate that show. And America's Most Wanted had um didn't really have a theme song it was just kind of like you know oh yeah yeah it was but it was i mean it's john walsh coming and being all stern and it's like murders yeah we're gonna get this scumbag yeah he was like you know they had a great track record yeah they did i mean when you think about i mean how many people they caught Mm. you know i know 
it got to a point where it, it died off and then it re then it came yeah. back and then it died off again but man i mean like for the time again at the time that it was where we were all using landlines and we were mm -hmm. all watching television and you yeah. know maybe you could record something on the vcr anyway it's very analog time you sat in front of your tv and yeah. you like it it kind of helped people be more aware if i dig up some dirt on allison remember i got no house's picture on america's most wanted there he is on the monkey bars try to take him alive We still have the Crime Stoppers on the local news yes. hotline sometimes. And we have Next Door. Oh, God, Next Door. So when somebody, yeah. you know, is fire shooting off fireworks and ten people post on Next Door asking if it's gunshots, <laughs> you, you, I mean, I practically feel like it's America's Most Wanted in Forest Lakes. Well, <laughs> America's Most Wanted, there's a... The, uh, one of the natural offshoots in social media of that, though, is also the... Here's somebody acting really horrible, and I'm gonna take my phone and post oh, this yeah, to yeah. Twitter or Facebook, and like, who is this? Let's find this. Yeah, person. barbecue Becky. Yeah, and and, yeah. and even some of the more worse people who oh, yeah, are yeah. just simply, you know, not not that what some of those people are doing was was oh, terrible, but the like people who are, are committing like crimes, crimes, felonies, yes. and it's like you know, here's the footage. Who is this person? So it's it's an offshoot of, of that. You know. So interesting though is that the tone of America's Most Wanted and even like a Crime Stoppers is is very like it, it's very straight up and it's very like it is your patriotic duty to help us catch these criminals. Yeah, it's yeah. very serious civic duty. civic duty. And like one of my favorite things to follow, one of my favorite accounts to follow on Facebook is the South Lake Police Department in Texas because whoever runs their social media is a friggin' genius. And like one of the posts that was going around that was going viral was this. Uh, were these security camera shots of some woman like shoplifting at like a Kohl's or something? Mm -hmm. The girl, it has to be a woman who who writes these posts for the South Lake PD. It was an opus. It was like, you know, if you're a Karen with a you know Kate Goslin haircut and zebra <laughs> leggings with your denim backpack walking through a Kohl's, I mean, dragging the shoplifter <laughs> with the pictures of the shoplifter. I mean, like, it's. It's just so interesting now that we are, and I, I'm also a sarcastic asshole. I mean, like, it's just my default. And so I finally feel like I'm in, like, we're in the era of that. Like, it's a yeah. serious thing. Shoplifting is a serious crime. This is a police department social media account. And instead of just straight up being like, help us catch the shoplifter, mm -hmm. it's like, let me drag this person's sartorial choices and then help us catch this person. Yeah. And it's like, you know, now every, nothing is just straight up anymore. Everything is like kind of cheeky and mm -hmm. sarcastic, which is fine with me because I'm, I also have a very hard time being serious. And so, you know, this is right up my alley, but it's just such a contrast yeah. to let's get the scumbag. And now it's like, look at this Karen shoplifting this crap from Kohl's. Let's go get her, and you're like, okay. Well, and <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Part of that has got to be the fact that there's so much information coming at us all the time that you are fighting for attention. Where back in the day, it's all entertainment. Your your local which was, started yeah. with this. Yeah, because with America's Most Wanted, it was the no, there was a novelty at first, and then eventually, when the show was successful, because that show ran for the better part of like 20 years it, for a long time, and. Yeah. When the show is more successful in actually catching criminals, and they would advertise, it's our hundredth criminal. It's our doubt. Like 
you'd be like, yeah, it, it is a real incentive to watch the show because you're like, well, this is doing something, and you're and and I remember, I remember visiting you when we were dating in college because we would meet up at your parents' house, and even the times we would go down there on the weekends when we were living together in our early twenties, it would if it was a Saturday, we'd end up watching the two-hour block mm-hmm. of Cops in America's Most Wanted. And cop, Cops is just... Like, I have friends who watch the, oh, the, the, the current offshoot of Cops. It's not by the same producers, but there's live PD. Oh. But they, they, they watch that pretty regularly, which is basically Cops. It's basically Cops, but apparently they have, like... Body um, cams? Body Aren't cams and like... stuff and live feeds, and, and they check in on different police departments or something. But it's, you know, it's kind of a... But it, it, it's very much Cops just in a... So it's like... NFL Red Zone, yes, but police exactly, okay. exactly, and 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 all the okay. footage is very cops esque But cop, cop, there was no civic duty to cops. It was just look at these assholes. Keep your hands on the car. I'm doing my job. as it happens. All suspects are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. My favorite is like, it's almost always in Florida, mm-hmm. which is great. Florida. There's almost always like Coke or meth mm-hmm. or something. Um, and the horrific wheezing that you hear <laughs> when they are like running after a criminal and they like, I mean, it's really like arrest or heart attack, which is coming first. I don't know. Um, so that's always that's always a fun game to play with yourself yeah, when you're I, watching. Like it's, I, I used to be a linebacker in high school. Yeah, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Notice that the linebackers don't run. Like when you're playing football, they just stand there. They don't run. Well, and then there, I remember one specific episode, and I want to say the police department was somewhere in the northwest where the there was a it was a car chase, and the criminal. There was a. They were going over railroad tracks, but it was not a. It was not a street thing. It was. And it was one of those railroad tracks where it was pretty high. It was high off the ground, so there was that mound of gravel and the track and then the mound. And then the guy just drove over. The cop went after him, but he bottomed the car out on the railroad tracks and got stuck. And I just remember the cop radioing in like, uh, "Oh my god!" <laughs> just like woefully embarrassed that he thought he could. He could like you know jump these railroad tracks in like a freaking crown. Yeah, I was gonna say he really thought that Mercury Sable was gonna go flying. Um, Yeah, just the 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 number of shirtless people in Kentucky that that we would see. It's like, and you know what's so funny though is like when we'd watch the soup and like things that I just are are so memorable, like the woman say donk a do balls Mm -hmm. and like. Um, the guy, that giant guy who kept getting tased oh, and like, God, he just yes. wouldn't go down. That's, that's not even cops. 
That that's like, like these are all programs that were inspired by cops mm-hmm. and now are more extra than cops yeah. ever was. Yeah, and, and cable and a lot of those are on deep cable, and I think they get away with it because the production values are like absolute crap. There's there's no right. Well, and the, I mean the budget the budget is low. Um, police departments like I don't want to I don't want to stereotype police departments, but I'm pretty sure that small police departments live for that crap. I mean that they would you know. Can here's, I show off my... Here's the question I have, and this is not meant to be like... Well, it's not shade because I'm pretty much directly insulting these people by asking this question, but, you know, you have to do so much to get, like, into the police academy and, mm-hmm. like, you know, get through it. You have to be, like, super physically fit. You have to, like, do all this stuff. Kind of like the military. Yeah. How do you get so fat afterward? Like, how do they allow you to get fat? Like, don't you have to keep... I mean, you go there to be able to run after people, and then you've got these cops on cops, and they barely fit in the car. And I'm like, I'm not fat-shaming. I'm just saying I don't understand why it's not like the military where you have to maintain a certain level of fitness once you are in it. I really don't know. I'm so curious. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's... Or like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine with, like, (laughs) Scully and what's-his-face. Hitchcock and Scully. Hitchcock and Scully. And they, like, you know, they, they, they... they can barely function yeah. just sitting like. Well, I don't know if it varies. If it varies from police department to police department, like in certain in cities and at certain ranks, you have to maintain a certain level of fitness, and then as you get higher up, that they kind of ease up on the physical requirements. Just, it's nuts. And and if it's like because we're in a, I mean, Albemarle is not a. Albemarle is, it's a, com- comparatively speaking to Richmond. Yeah. Or DC, it's a small police force. You know, it's a small count. It's a county yeah. police force. So I don't know if there's a. And I am not fat shaming. I'm just saying because, like, listen, I'm fat, but my job does not require me to run after people yeah. who can run faster than I can. So, <laughs> so I that's why I'm just, just asking. But I just, it's always funny. Well, and and I think part of it too is um, with some of those episodes. Um, some of those guys are big guys. They probably were athletes in school, and in some cases, they are wearing something under the shirt that actually weighs them down as well. So that you know, if they are wearing some sort of vest, or yeah, Kevlar kind of that, deal, that's going to be heavy. But yeah, it's, but it's always funny to listen to that. <laughs> and then, so here I have some that, that release by the end of the '80s. You have Cops in America's Most Wanted, totally hidden video. I think it was around for like two or three years, and it was gone. Your book lasted a year. Beyond Tomorrow was I, that lasted again a season. And then, and I wrote what's OJ got to do with this, and I think we've, I don't even, we may have discussed this before. I know we've watched so much shit about OJ Simpson in the last few years, but I think that the, the spectacle of the Bronco chase, the spectacle of the courtroom, really whet people's appetite for something of this, because you had other trials and other high profile cases going on in the early 90s. That people like followed like tabloidy like um, Lorena Bobbitt, Lorena Bobbitt, Amy Fisher, the Menendez brothers. You know, I mean, granted, the Menendez brothers supposedly killed their allegedly killed their parents. Um, they were convicted. They're in jail. I thought they were. Le- I, I thought, thought they were acquitted. Were they? I thought they were convicted. You know what? It doesn't matter. It was, it was right. sensational. Either, it they was they sensational. killed their parents. It was yes. sensational. And then you get, but but OJ was like. OJ took it to a whole other level, and there's so and and there's gotta there's gotta be a lot of what we see in this sort of crazy ass spectacle reality television that stems from 
from the whole OJ. Well, I thing. mean, that's the whole reason why Law and Order exists. Yeah. Ripped so. from the headlines. Yeah. So, Fox in the late 90s... Which is not reality TV, yeah. I acknowledge, I'm just saying. But Fox in the late 90s, before the Golden Age, and the Golden Age of Fox reality, really, I'd say, starts in like 99, 2000. Mm. And goes up to about 2008, 2009. Oh my god, though. I know I'm jumping ahead, but... I friggin' loved Magic's Biggest Secrets Revealed. Yeah. So, so I was going to say... Mitch Pileggi. Yeah. <laughs> being snarky. Oh, that was my favorite. Yeah, they started They started these low-rent, almost like current affair segment type of shows of that uh, Alien Autopsy was hosted by Jonathan Frakes. Well, and it was obvious because that was... Because X-Files was Yeah, because was of X-Files. Then you had... Um, there was... I, I don't remember what the hell the thing was called. I just remember that they kept advertising that special. They were going to open some pyramid tomb in Egypt uh, live or whatever. But that's not the Geraldo Her- No, thing, that Geraldo, that was before... That was Capone's Fox. vault. Yeah, that was Capone's yeah. vault. And that was... Oh my God, that was the so mid-80s. World's wildest police videos. I do remember when animals attack. When animals attack. And then, of course... There was um, the gag on The Simpsons. I want to say they did a gag of when surgery goes bad, but I do know that they did the when buildings collapse. Yes. Because they did the montage, and the one of the montage, it was this big building that said House of Usher. Yes. <laughs> we now return to When Buildings Collapse on Nonstop Fox. Yay! <laughs> At least want to join us? Room for one more. We're watching the TV. Man has always loved his buildings. But what happens when the buildings say no more? The best part was when the buildings fell down. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe people got hurt. Hey, yeah. <laughs> that was the episode where little, Lisa... Little Poe humor. Yeah, yeah, that was the episode where Lisa thought she was getting stupid. Yes. <laughs> so, and it just turns out the stupid gene is only on the male, male side, side of the Simpson chromosome. They run at each other with pots on their heads. <laughs> so what I did was I broke out the golden age of Fox reality from 2000 to 2008, 2009 into mm-hmm. four separate categories. Oh my God. Talent competition shows, dating and dating competition, quote, game shows. And I think we might, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of go in the, and then this sort of documentary reality, even if it's, you know, it's not necessarily that. It's just something that has like that format of, this is something that we, the situation we have these people in. Yes. And, and we're not competing on a stage, we're competing out in the world or in their homes. So, the big, the big competition show mm-hmm. from Fox in the 2000s was American Idol. Yes.
It had a very brief spinoff of American Juniors. Yes. Star. Uh, one of the contestants was um, Lucy Hale. Lucy Hale, who is now on Katie Keene. Katie Keene, right? and she was on Pretty Little Liars yeah. forever. But American Idol, I think that premiered in the fall of two thousand or maybe two thousand one. Uh, I remember yeah. we we watched the first like five or six seasons. We did. We did. Well, and it's funny because when Jackie Tone was on um, Keep It, and they were like, we got to talk about your time on American Idol. I'm like, what? When? And I went and looked it up, and I'm like, well, damn, we watched that season. And, I don't remember her at all. And I think I was, like, I was struggling to remember. Yeah. And I was struggling to remember because, like, we watched, I remember watching the first season, and that was that was Kelly Clarkson. Yes, Kelly. Kelly and Justin. Justin Guarini, who's the current... Baby Dr. Pepper? Yeah. Whatever the hell it's Dr. Dr. Pepper's. Yes. <laughs> and Whatever that thing is. <laughs> and I remember, I remember that season also had, like, that was Nikki McKibben was in that season. And they had all the ki- the guys with J, like MJ, EJ, RJ, yeah, somebody yeah. J, like a lot of J's. And we used to read a site for years called uh, Television Without Pity. Yes. Was it the Couch Baron who used to do them? It was Shaq. Okay. And then it was Jacob. Okay. And he used to have, the, the for the longest time, and it might have been in late seasons, they would do these recaps, and Television Not Pity really honed the whole snarky recap. Mm-hmm. They didn't invent it. That probably goes to Daniel Drennan's old 90210 recaps from way back in the Scott late 90s. Chandler. God, those were so funny. <laughs> but Television, Mighty Big TV was the original name of the site, and it was Television Not Pity, and it... And it was, um, they really, really perfected this thing back in the early 2000s. And you and I used to sit in our offices. Oh my God, I read just so read much them of it. All day. And, and then the forums, I was a big yeah. dork about it. And um, the American Idol recaps were hilarious because he would go through all of the different contestants, all the different songs. And he used this, they used to have this big American Idol logo on the center stage. Uh-huh. And he used to call it like the seal of Tasugula or something, yeah. like the supporter of the hell that was going to open yes. when they were performing on it or whatever. And I remember some of the weird the contestants who made it really far into the thing where you were like, how is this person alive? And I remember like there was this one blonde singer named Carmen Rasmussen who was she was just absolutely awful but for some reason she kept oh, I don't going on for yeah and probably because she was blonde. Mm. Well and I just remember the um the whole thing of in the first few years it was it was only you were only voting for it by phone. Yes. And you weren't texting, you weren't voting mm-hmm. online and, and we have smartphones. And and it was like towns of Tests where people like Jennifer Hudson who came from small towns, like they would the entire town. Oh, the cl- lines. Clay Aiken. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we also, but there was a while that the show also, um, they would run like whole episodes of bad auditions. Yes. And that's where um, William Hung. William she Hung. She bangs. <laughs> Talk to me. Tell me your name. You blow me off like it's all the same. You lit it fuse and I'm taking away like a bomb. Yeah, baby. Talk to me. Tell me your sign. You're switching sides like a Gemini. You're playing games and now you're hitting my heart like a drum. Yeah, baby. She bangs. She bangs. Oh, baby. But she moves. She moves. I go crazy cause she looks like a flop but she stings like a bee Like every girl in history She bangs, she bangs I'm Thank wasted you. by the way Thank she... Thank you. 
God. When that happened, that's when the show got really irritating because during the audition rounds, they, it would be mostly crappy auditions because mm-hmm. they were trying to find another moment yeah. like William Hung. William Hung, there was that one kid, I think he was prior to William Hung, who sang I Want to Dance with Somebody by um, Whitney, Houston? Whitney Houston, and it was really bad. Okay. And if I showed you... If, I, I could show you the clip later. You'd, you'd remember this guy. He um, and there were a couple of other ones that in, in back before going viral was a thing. Was like, mm-hmm. did you see this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and stuff. But yeah, and 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 uh, there was this one guy who used to show up on American Idol, and then he would show up on So You Think You Can Dance, which is another one of the big oh called. And he 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 used to go by the name Sex. Oh, I remember and, that guy. Yeah. After a while, he kind of faded because... They probably um, stopped putting him on the show. Yeah, I think they stopped putting him on the show. And and my sister actually auditioned for Idol back in, like, the third or fourth season. She stood in line. She was a walk-on. And apparently, she didn't have enough of a of a good enough backstory to actually get past the... Get to the on-camera auditions because the camera... Should have made something up. Yeah, because the, the auditions that you had in front of Paula, Simon, and Randy... I don't want to say they were the second audition. They might have been the third. Yeah, but you yeah. talked to a couple producers yeah. before that, so that you were vetted. So they specifically put you in front of yeah, in yeah. front of those people. She she didn't say like I grew up in a mausoleum where <laughs> nothing was allowed to move in my house, and I didn't have sugar cereal and um, no pets, no cable. Um, yeah, no cable, no central air conditioning. <laughs> No. no heat in the winter. Could see your breath when you were breathing. No. I, she should have asked me. I would have written her, her backstory. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like we watch so much Idol and yet it all blurs together. For oh me. yeah, I don't remember. Remember when we were talking about something else and it was like one of the questions. It was some quiz or something. It was like one of the questions was you you need to name American Idol winners in order. That was in the quiz. It was in the cruise. The cruise. On, That's what uh, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the music trivia. Yeah, the music trivia thing. Yeah, yeah. And the, it was a last chance. Smarty pants. pants. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, Tony from Spain. Tony from Spain. Yes. Yeah, the la- and and we got. I think we got as far as. Um, <laughs> well, it was okay. Kelly Clarkson. Clay, Ruben Studdard. Ruben Studdard. Yeah, Clay Aiken finished second. second. Fantasia Barino. Mm-hmm. Carrie Underwood. Sure. Taylor Hicks. Yeah, Taylor Hicks. Chris Allen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to think of somebody else. Uh, who won? David, what's his face? David Archuleta. Did he? No, oh, not he no, no. But David, the the rocker. The kind of pseudo rock guy. Oh yeah. He's kind of balding. Yeah. Yeah, David something. Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, because so Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood are the only two people to come out of that show who, like, I think you could say were like crazy successful as winners. As winners. I mean, like as Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson, Hudson has, has an Oscar. Oscar. You know, but as the two, sorry, or the even two, like the, the two winners of the show, or even Adam Lambert. Like, Adam Lambert. I mean, yeah. he's toured with Queen. Yeah. He's done a so bunch. So you've got of other stuff. people who come out of the show and have done really, really well, and they just didn't, they didn't win. But I would love to see a. 
that is a show, and there are a few reality shows of this thing. That some of these shows are a begging for a where are they now? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and of of these sort of also rands mm-hmm. of of this, you know, like you know who's gone on to just live a nice quiet life because they decided to go. I don't know go to law school or something yeah. and who's on Actually, math and yeah. you know, <laughs> those sorts of things. But yeah, American Idol, American Juniors, and then we have So You Think You Can Dance, which... I still love that show. It's still on. I don't know if they're going to do another season. Actually, I feel like that show does the best job of kind of reincorporating people who have competed before. Mm-hmm. Like they either bring them back as like choreographers or they come back as all-stars or they come back, you know, working with another choreographer or, or something like that. They probably do the best job of like keeping it in the family, like a family yeah. of competitors. Um, although there was the really sad uh, news that um, Travis Wall's brother Danny, who was this beautiful dancer in season, whatever season it was after Travis's uh-huh. season three, I think, um, passed away oh. this year, uh, or you know, in twenty nineteen or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, but they you know they always. They tend to bring them back. Or what's funny, a bunch of them go on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, or they, they end up on Broadway too. It's 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 got yeah. a more maybe I don't know if it's got a more solid career path because you because You can very easily be a working dancer. Yeah. It's not like trying to be like a a singer with like the, the newest hit or the like if you have a bom- like if your album bombs, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah. Like I think singing is a lot harder to rise above the noise, like where with dancing, if you want to be a working dancer, you can be a working dancer. Yeah, that's like, true. You know, you may not, you're not going to be Misty Copeland, but you're, you know, you can, you know, there's so much work to be done. If you're a dancer, there are concert tours, there's Broadway, there are commercials, there's movies, there's mm-hmm. TV, like there's all this stuff. And then when you're too old and broken or both your feet are terrible and you have surgeries that almost kill you, you can then become a choreographer. Yes, that's true. So some that's of true. us like to do like, you know, I don't, I don't do choreography anymore, but like when I couldn't do it anymore... Uh, not professionally, but yeah. when I couldn't do it anymore, that's what I did. Well, the, and there there came a point where in the first couple of seasons of that show it was following the American Idol formula, mainly because Nigel Lithgow, who was one yeah. of the judges and the executive producer, was also one of the executive producers of Idol. Mm-hmm. But um, the one switch it made for the better was um, a it kept it it started keeping itself to an entirely summer series mm-hmm. which guaranteed some good ratings and it was just this thing that you yeah. wanted to watch the other thing was is they started cutting the bad auditions yeah. out of the show yeah. and, and because they realized that whereas idol is like people there's the people who are really really good there are people who are really really good at karaoke and then there's the crap but you're but you've, you've consumed enough pop music in your lifetime, even at the age of like a teenager, that you have an ear for these things. The vast majority of people, aside from what they might have seen on a music video or somewhere, maybe if they've seen a, play, a, a Broadway musical, don't really know much from dance. So there's an educational aspect mm-hmm. to it in that way. So I think they saw the value in that. We've seen some, I know we've seen some pretty terrible dancers We've seen a couple of times where people had like horrific injuries on mm-hmm. stage. I remember like there was one sequence where they were doing like pickups for the 
the interstitials between the, the things or a break to commercial and they had this one girl, she was doing a pirouette or whatever, and her knee just gave out in the middle of it and it killed her before she ever went to the audition. You just, I remember watching that. We were just like... Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's not Feisman injury, but it's, but it, it was pretty, like, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, you felt that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know, I, uh, you know, for a show that I, and, and there was a dance show craze there for a while that wasn't just Dancing with the Stars, because mm-hmm. there was um, America's Best Dance Crew yes. on MTV, MTV. Which I also, which you had a lot of, so you think you could dance people yeah. on that show because you had a lot of the b-boys come yeah. and d- compete on that show yeah and then you have um and then some people have gone on to things like twitch who was the dj on the ellen show yeah. and is on uh her game of games is was yeah. a contestant yeah, with that's where contestant. he was discovered yeah yeah and there were some there were some other guys and it's just it's it is really cool to see that, and I hope that I hope the show does come back and continues. I know, like from year, like one year they did sort of a juniors type of competition, and I don't think we watched that. We year. didn't watch that one, but that's where um, JT Church. I think he won. Mm. I don't know, but he came out of, and he's um, he's kind of on the rise now because he's. I think he's in his early. T- I think he's like Brett's age. Oh, okay, so then we go on to the the food competition ones which are both hosted by Gordon Ramsay because whereas on Bravo, we were just watching an episode of this tonight, where Bravo had Top Chef still and still show. does. And that show is really just outstanding. But it's a... but it, And and um, Food Network has Chopped, mm-hmm. which is basically if you took the quick fire from Top Chef and made it into a three-round competition. With blind ingredients. With blind ingredients. And what's his name from Queer Eye from the Straight Guy? Ted. Ted. I want to say Tom. It was Ted. Ted Allen. Ted Allen from Queer Eye from the Straight for the Straight Guy, and um, but then Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen was meant to be a Top Chef knockoff because he was you were competing if you took Top Chef and that other show on NBC, which I refuse to name, where you were vying for a job with that person. Oh, oh gotcha. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and you would, because you were vying for a job in one of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants or something. He was going to set you up. Well, and I would say it was even more about that whole wave of like mean British people. Yeah. So, you know, you had Simon Cowell and then you had that, the mm-hmm. weakest link where they brought that weird oh, lady on. Yes. And then you had like, you know, whatever. So I think with Gordon Ramsay, it was like, you know, he's the Simon Cowell mm-hmm. of Chefs, and he had that, you know, he had that show on, I don't know if it was on the BBC or what channel over in Britain it was on, but um, where he went and, like, helped restaurants oh, and it stuff was, like it was that. Uh, Kitchen Nightmares. Kitchen Nightmares, Because they did an it, American They did an American version, but the British, it was so funny. So we watched Hell's, the first time we ever saw Gordon, we saw him, was on Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen. And, you know, it's him screaming at everybody and whatever, so, dog's dinner and, you know, whatever. And then, like, there's that, that gif now where he's got that one girl with the two pieces of bread on the side of her face. Yeah. And he's like, what are you? And she's like an idiot sandwich. Yes. <laughs> one of my favorites. What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Jeff Ramsey. But, um... You know, it's, uh, I, I think it was more just like, you know, he's the Simon Cowell of whatever. Because I remember then NBC, this was then, you know, there was this whole wave of, like, restaurants. Just remember the Rocco Despirito oh, show? God, that show was a train and, wreck. But, and I remember NBC brought on um, another show where, oh, God, I can't remember the guy's name. He's also British. 
uh, I think his last name is White, but basically he was Gordon Ramsay's boss. And apparently oh, I he was even yes. worse. And, yeah. you know, so whatever. So it was a lot of channels trying to one-up each other. But what's interesting is, like, I actually really liked Hell's Kitchen. I thought it was it was, thought it was good. I've never seen MasterChef or MasterChef Junior. Neither. Although I know either. Brett wants to see that. But, um, you know what? I remember when we caught a couple of Kitchen Nightmares, the British version. Mm-hmm. Gordon's still kind of a dick, but he's so much better. He's calm. Like, the, the advice he gives actually makes sense, and he's actually rooting for these places to do better. And so I remember when we watched that, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this would have been better if the American version had been like this. And now that I've watched, like, a bunch of other British things, like, you know, Great British Bake mm-hmm. Off and whatever, it's like, yeah, like... It's it's okay to just have a show be a straightforward show where you do things. There doesn't have to be like ramped up screaming, drama, yelling, and all that stuff. It can just it can still be an engaging show. Well, and, and we created this culture in within reality television, especially in this country, where people feel like they, the contestants need to feel they need to perform for the camera, yeah. even if it's more of the documentary, the kitchen nightmare type of show. And I think in some cases, because we've seen bits and pieces here and there of the American version of the show where he is way more the Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, you know. he's like lost his damn mind. And, but they're in places like, I, I want to say they film it in, I don't know if they film it out in California, they might film it in New York. I do remember seeing a few, hearing a few, you know, either Long Island, New Jersey, New <laughs> and those are the people who you will get that quick rise out of and, and you kind of have to scream at them because yeah, that's the only language yeah, they speak. Yeah, I know, that's true. But at the same time, <laughs> it's just, it's, so, but yeah, it's the, like the, that whole thing of like, we just want to see this guy yell at him, even though we watch the British version. Because I remember he rehabilitated this one restaurant. It was like this mom and a pop sort of diner type of place. And there was this whole like, he, he had this joke protest against bad gravy yes, or something. Yes. It was just, it was very, it was a, it was charming. Yes, it was charming. And you know, and and that and that's that's the appeal we get from from a lot of the imported mm-hmm. shows that we have here. And to ABC's credit, when they brought over GBBO for the American one, which is essentially the a holidays. Christmas special yeah. holidays, they didn't change a thing yeah. except for the hosts. They didn't right. change the format. Now, well, I, and they had to change it because Johnny Uzini's a creepo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But like they have Paul Hollywood, and they have another. You know, they have another judge. They have Sherry. a couple. Of, yeah. They have a couple of hosts, one of whom is now Emma Bunting, Baby mm-hmm. Spice. Mm-hmm. Um, the musical cues are a little weird because yeah. we're so we watch right. so much GBBO. They use different. They yeah. use the the. It, it doesn't but matter. It's nothing to do with Fox any. Reality. We're all yeah. we're off track again. Nobody's yelling at anything. And then for a little while, and I'm really not really going to touch on too many of these because they were just they they were trying to catch the. The lightning in a bottle of the dancing with the stars so they had skating with celebrities celebrity duet celebrity boxing was more notorious than anything because you had people like celebrity and i'm making air quotes here because the celebrities were like tanya harding and dustin diamond oh and um, i don't remember this very much there was I, I i remember tanya harding because it's Tanya Harding, but I do remember one of them, and this might have been a little earlier than 2000, but I remember that they had Dustin Diamond facing off against Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was a, I, I, I don't think I watched it, I just remember the commercials. 
Um, so it was just kind of this this really really awful show. But then we get into the dating and dating <gasps> publishers, and this is where we shine because so because neither of us we watched I think maybe one season of The Bachelor, uh, right. And we watched our, the first one. And all our experience with The Bachelor beyond that comes from having watched Joel McHale host The Soup for years. Yes. Because they used to show these clips of, uh -huh. of The Bachelor. And then the Saturday Night Live, ongoing Saturday Night Live sketches of The Bachelor. But, well, we watched a little bit of the third <coughs> season because this girl I knew, one of her good friends was one of like the final three. Mm. Trish, the dark-haired oh, one okay. who was like the bitch. Yeah. So I watched it a little bit because I was like, well, let me see what this is about. Yeah. But, but we will watch the crap out of oh, Temptation, Temptation Island. Island. Yeah, I was all about it. These four couples have embarked on an incredible journey. Although they're in committed relationships, they've traveled to this remote Caribbean island to become single again test their devotion to one another and answer the ultimate question. Have I found the one or is there someone better out there for me? Upon their arrival, you will not speak to one another for the next two weeks. They were separated from their mates and sent to opposite ends of the island. There, they were joined by 26 singles, 13 men and 13 women in search of romance. For two weeks, they will mix, mingle, and date in an attempt to find new connections. In terms of temptations, she was made to order for me. The least compatible singles will be voted off the island. You've reached a decision? This one is a shocker. Only those who our couples are most attracted to will remain. After each date, they will confront their emotions at bonfire. Here, they will be given a choice to see videotape of their partner's experiences on the other side of the island. In the end, each will narrow the field to one with whom they will share an exotic final date. Our couples will reunite on the last night of their journey to confess their experience to each other and decide the fate of their relationships. Who will stay together? Who will be torn apart? Find out as these four couples embark on a once-in-a-lifetime journey here on Temptation Island. Now, Temptation Island, if, if anybody's not familiar with it, this was a show where they took a bunch of couples who were sort of on the verge of a breakup. No, no, this is... Were they on the verge of Some of them were, some of them or, were. Or this was like the test to see if they wanted to stay yeah, together. Yeah, it was a test to see if they wanted to stay time, together. It's been a long time, Yeah, because it was, it was uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, like very early 2000. We still lived in the apartment. We still lived in the apartment. I think I was still working for a, for Digital Now when the first season came on. And so that would have been 2000. So they, they fly the, to this island. It's hosted by Mark L. Wahlberg. Yes. Who went on to host... Antique Roadshow road show for a while. And now that. I'm really upset that he doesn't host yeah. the roadshow anymore. Yeah. Like, I feel like it sucks now. Yeah. This is fake Marky Mark paying his dues here. Yes. That's another one where, like, where are these people now? Well, I want to know. Well, especially that one girl. Like, she... I just... Like, literally the only thing I remember about her is she took, like, 40 vitamins a day. Yes. She would sit there in the morning and, like, count out her vitamins. And I was like, 
how do you choke down all that stuff? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, that's what I remember. Yeah. And when you watch these dating shows, and they're still on in some way. I think Temptation Island has gone and come back a couple of times here yeah. and there. But then there's shows on, like, MTV yeah. that, that have been like that. Like, there was, there ran one for years called Dismissed, where, like, you, you know, did sort of a, mm-hmm. and and um, and there's the, the like the, there's almost this like template that some of these people are cut from like mm-hmm. they all like even the people on Love Is Blind, which yeah. was big on Netflix <gasps> earlier this yeah, year, man. could have been on Temptation Island twenty years ago, oh, and no yeah. problem. I mean, totally. they, they look exactly like those type of people, and there's and some of them especially some Amber train wrecks. Oh, oh yeah, my God. Amber especially. Um, I don't think we watched Love Cruise. We didn't. Well, we didn't. But there, we saw enough to know that Tony from Love Cruise yes. was the same Tony on Paradise Hotel. Yes. Yeah, so and let's talk about Paradise Hotel oh, because Paradise so Hotel, I think, out of all favorite. of them, is our is my favorite. Probably our favorite. This is Paradise Hotel, the most exotic most exclusive resort in the world where every desire is fulfilled here's to paradise and the only rule is hook up Ooh. oh my god or go home the goal of all 11 guests is to be the stars of paradise hotel as long as they possibly can the question is what will they do to survive paradise some lucky viewers will find out firsthand because each week when someone is forced to check out, someone from across America will be selected to check in. Welcome to Paradise Hotel. How far will you go to stay in paradise? I can't take this anymore. You may be surrounded by beauty evil stuff that's going to be coming out soon. I'm going to take you on a trip so far from here. I got two tickets in my pocket, baby. I'm going to disappear. Because, it, well, and we're talking, well, we did watch the, the Paradise Hotel from this Yeah, the one that just ran with last. Kristen Cavallari. Yes. It, it was okay. The end was hilarious. But yeah. getting there wasn't so much fun. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the original Paradise Hotel from the early aughts, I started watching because you went on a work trip and left me by myself. This was December 2003. Yes. So, this is what happens when you leave me alone. This is how we get sucked into this stuff. So, I started watching it, and... Um, it was amazing, and what was even better is because of Television Without Pity had this hilarious person. I don't remember who was recapping the show, but the forum for Paradise Hotel was the best. Like it was so fun. The people who were talking—it was—it was almost as good as the forum for Semi Homemade with Sandra Lee. Mm. It was 
Amazing. Oh my god, that show. It was amazing. And so that, like, those things all combined. Oh my god. What, what was so funny is when, what you found out was that they recruited the majority of, like, their contestants from Arizona State. And that's all you need to know. Yeah, because, like, when they did the reboot in 2019, they clearly recruited the majority of their contestants off of, like, Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it was just this, and it was this, um, and and it, the, the funny thing was, it was, occasionally they would have them compete in weird games because I think they just needed to, to liven things up because you're essentially watching people constantly on vacation but on this weird vacation where like you you can't leave unless they kick you out it's like, the hotel california it is the hotel california i mean and the, the the running gag one of the funnier things in the reboot in 2019 was how sunburned the guys were getting because they <laughs> but, but like you know basically like all these people would do on this show was sit around and drink. Mm -hmm. So like there was a point where at first it was, you know, at first either somebody new came in mm -hmm. and it, maybe there was some novelty to that or the first couple of weeks it was like, Oh, we're partying. But like you had to watch the show into a, until in a few weeks in because then everybody would just start to hate each then other. Then it turned in the heart of darkness. I mean, like basically like Tony was basically Kurt's. I mean, <laughs> it was bonker balls. But what's interesting about that whole original Paradise Hotel is the guy who they thought was going to be non-threatening that they brought in Dave Kirpin. Yes. Is, like, he's still, like, this marketing guru. And so he, like, I mean, like, he publishes on LinkedIn. He's mm -hmm. writing books. He and it, like, basically when he and his fiance got married, they found a way to get, like, they're almost like a Star Jones. They got, like, the wedding paid for. The, um, pretty much the wedding paid for with sponsorships. Like, and I'm not saying that that's a great way to live your life. I'm just saying, like, he, he's, that's just been his MO. Like, he's always, like, he's always been a hustler. And so they thought they were going to bring this dorky white guy in to Paradise Hotel. And then he ended up, like, Manipulated. He ends up losing. Yeah. But like he ended up manipulating everybody, and then Tony just ran around screaming at everybody. Yeah. And like Zach and Amy were like supposedly this love story, and it, it, actually, the, so the best part, other than watching everybody drink, is as the weeks went on, the people who had been there the longest were gaining like the freshman fifteen. Yes. Because all they were doing was laying around and drinking like fruity cocktails and eating. Yeah. So the muffin tops got yeah, bigger. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, and, and it was always funny because every once in a while they would bring in a new person to shake things up because they just, you know, yeah. they needed to. Well, it was a, Amanda was Amanda Byron, right. the hostess, right. was known for coming in and being like, but there's a, a twist. twist. Uh, yeah. There's always a twist. <laughs> yeah, and there were certain hosts of these shows that, in some cases, they became really famous. Like Ryan Seacrest came from American Idol, as everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Brian Dunkelman is the... Peter Scolari of American Idol, mm -hmm. but um, so you've got Seacrest, but you have like Cat Dealey from So You Think mm -hmm. You Can Dance as somebody who's recognizable. But we can't forget that the host of the first season of of So You Can Think You Can Dance is Lauren Sanchez, who is now probably going to be the next Mrs. Jeff Bezos. Oh, really? She was his mistress. I did not. She know was. That. She was the alive girl. Oh, she was. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. So that's that's who he left his wife for. Right. Man, I, I hope his wife got banged. Yeah. I hope she took him. Even if she took him for Happy Silver, just man alive. Yeah. 
and uh, Fake Marky Mark hosted Temptation Island as well as a couple of other shows. And um, Amanda Byram like would pop up, and she and, I, and I'll mention her later on. But yeah, she and she was either English or Australian, and it was but it was this high class. But but there's a twist, and it was always fun. And that was like the almost like a catchphrase on that show. And you just like and I did they run it more than once a week. I don't this, remember. Summer, I just remember, I remember. I remember we were just we were like I came back from the business trip, and it was like. Yeah. We couldn't wait. It was. Oh yeah, I was like, "Hey, how are you? Stop talking. I'm watching Paradise." Hotel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, they would try again with a show called Forever Eden, which we didn't even watch. It was I didn't the watch idea that, that, that they yeah. were going to do the same thing, but the, but they were it was just going to keep going, and it, and it completely flopped. Paradise Hotel showed up on the My TV network at some point again, but it didn't do well at yeah. all, and then it. It actually, they did it on Fox this past summer, and it tanked. Yeah, they actually ramped it up. Yeah. They ramped up the the end, and people started getting eliminated, like, in chunks, because because they basically canceled it. They canceled it before it could be be over. Um, But then there were other shows that were very basic, like, flat-out Bachelor knockoffs. You had Looking for Love, Bachelorettes in Alaska. We watched that. Yeah, and I believe it was hosted by Alex McCord, who was the original Trading Spaces host. Oh, maybe. Remember, maybe. she was the first season. No, Trading she was Spaces the first before, Carpenter. Yeah, before, before uh, Carpenter, Amy, and Ty. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, Car- no, she was the host. She was the host. Carpenter. Right, the, the season before. Uh, That's right. Mindy, uh, Mindy Page. Page. Mindy um, Page. Page. Yes. Um, MPDP. Yes. <laughs> Mindy uh, Davis Page. Davis Page. Page. Yeah. Page. Um, and. Uh, Yes, yeah, so that that was basically like you know a bunch of single women are going and looking for dating these men because supposedly Alaska had more single men per yeah. capita than any other yeah. state or something, and they were rugged. Yeah, we watched that, and then um, there was a show called Playing It Straight. I don't remember that. I'm horrified. Uh, I'm yeah. reading what you said, yeah. what you put in these notes, and I'm horrified. It, 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 so it only, I, we never watched this. I don't even know if it was actually, I don't remember being advertised. It was just on the, the list. list. And I clicked through to see what it was about. It only lasted three episodes because it was canceled because it was controversial. I think the only other reality show I can think of that was more controversial was the CBS series Kid Nation. That was the one where they put these kids in this camp and they had to build like a government or whatever. Like the were, Hunger Games? Yeah, it was. Well, they weren't killing each other, but that was what people or were Lord saying. Of the like, flies. You're, you're exploiting. Yeah, these got kids. it. All right. Anyway, playing it straight, it lasted three episodes. So you had a. It was a bachelorette style program where it was one woman eventually picking a guy. Some of the guys were straight and some of the guys were gay. And she had to figure out if she was going to pick the quote, right one. And by right one, in quotes, I mean, we're talking heteronormativity here. So if she picked a straight guy at the end of the show, they split a million dollars. If he was gay, he kept the million. million. This This is is horrific. This is bad. This is real bad. This is absolutely horrific. I mean, this is like, this is low even for Fox. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Although, Mr. Personality, the woman picked the fiancé, and all the men were Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I wrote that. Okay. I I miswrote that. You were right. The guys were all mad. Mr. Personality was a dating game type show where the guys were all mad. Actually, I really liked that, and I didn't mind Monica hosting it. Yes, Monica Lewinsky was the host. Monica was a good host. I liked the show, and actually, they got married. Mm. Like, 
Will, I remember the guy's name was Will, and I, I think the girl's name might have been Haley. Um, they actually got married. Oh, I don't know if they're still married, but they got married. We'll get to the most infamous marriage, but we have to talk about Joe Millionaire. Well, I, you mean the Shave Dave? Shave Dave. <laughs> then it's coming. The moment America's been waiting for is finally here. There's going to be. Time is up. Joe's final two. Any, mini, mini, mo. Somebody's got to go. Who will he choose? Zora or Sarah? I've got a really, really hard decision. Joe Millionaire. It all starts at 8, 7 Central, Fox Monday. So. We watched both seasons. We watched both seasons, although I really only remember the first season because we used to watch it. We would watch it together, but we also used to go over to our friend Tracy's apartment and watch it in a big group sometimes. Yes. Because we also used to go over there for West Wing. Well, yeah. There's a contrast in quality. Yeah. Um, but Joe Millionaire, if you're, to describe the premise of this show, another dating show, another um, bachelor type of dating show. So he's the bachelor and all the women are competing for him. They are under the impression that he has a million dollars. Yes. But he doesn't. He's just some he's everyday a construction work worker. He's a construction, yes. construction worker. And... Um, you know, and and there were, uh, and it was it was just very your typical at this point. The Bachelor had been on for a couple of seasons. It was your typical machination of manipulation and everything. But there was one episode where um, he and one of his dates, you know, they send them on dates, of course, and they go off into the woods or into the back of this property or whatever, and and it's all shot in like blurry black and white night vision, and they're making out. And they were subtitling it, and the word slurp kept coming up. Oh, God, that's right. So, but yeah, it was just, and he was this, like, yeah, this total shame day, but he was just this total goofball who was, like, I hate this, he's the dumbest box of hammers, and yet, like... Oh, he was so dumb. Yet, like, not... Uh, you know, but likable enough that you you kept watching the show because mm-hmm. it was you know because he was not creepy in that way. He was just kind of like to quote a phrase from Thirty Rock. Obviously, somebody's sex idiot. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> so. And he wasn't even that like hot. No, like, even thinking he had money didn't make him more attractive. Yeah. I mean, he was he was in shape. Yeah, he had a he had physically. But he was know, so like. But he was I mean, yeah. Yeah, and so but like we would we would just sit there and watch these shows. They they were they came on like one after the other because once because they um, the Joe Millionaire got good ratings, mm-hmm. and and these were like this was in the early age of the of reality television, of the glut of reality television, where they were still the water cooler shows, and they were still, you know, like you said, Survivor was the one that even. Even now, there's a, has a big fan following, but like shows like Survivor would get still talked about and get huge ratings, and then you know this would come along and it would be a spectacular, and you know, and and, and we'd, we'd see stories about it, and it would make you know and and stuff, and people would it, it, people would talk about it at the office and stuff, and but it was like, what's funny is that you were just watching the same show over and over, and they just kept shifting the mm-hmm. shifting some of the premise, yes, which is probably why Bat and the Bachelor still does really well. Yeah, well, and I think there's something to be said. With The Bachelor, I think it's, I mean, I love a hot mess 
as much as the next person. We sat and watched, we binge Love is Blind in like two days. Oh, like, I will, I will watch a woman, a sad mess of a woman where her dog is drinking out of her wine glass. I'll watch that. But I think with The Bachelor, I think it really is just people like watching pretty young women make an ass out of themselves. Mm. Or watch kind of average looking men get aggro and stupid over yeah. a woman. I mean, like, so it's, it's, but I mean, at least it's equal opportunity yeah. ridiculousness. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's, for me, I don't know why you would watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise or what the hell ever, because it's, um, I don't know, to me, everyone's so bland and yeah. so white. Yeah, like no, who gives a shit? Yeah, I, I mean, maybe maybe it sated some people's desires for the typical nighttime soap because by by around the time those were on, those shows have been off the air for quite a while. You know, your Dallas and Dynasty and stuff, which were which are just let's watch rich people like you know scheme against each other. But at the same time, you know, like if you look at some of the TV lineups from around that era, there's a lot of police procedurals. And, you know, this becomes your, yeah, your nighttime soap. This becomes your Melrose mm-hmm. and those sorts of shows, which weren't getting as much, you know, aside yeah. from like Sex in the City on HBO and stuff, you weren't, and which wasn't even a soap. It was a, you know, it was a comedy and it wasn't really as, as desperately sad all the time as The Bachelor. But like, you know, this was something that people, maybe it filled that void until the WB slash CW came along with some of the, some of the more uh, crazy nighttime soaps that they've got, including their Dynasty revival. Um, but then we had, we had a few game shows, and I only wrote down three because there were way more, but we didn't watch that many. There was one called The Moment of Truth, also hosted by Fake Marky Mark. Oh, okay. This was essentially a primetime episode of Maury, where they were lie, detector, lie detecting people. And there's this one clip of a guy and his fiance and she took a lie detector where they asked her all about whether or not he cheated on her mm-hmm. or no, she cheated on him. Okay. And like, it was all lies. And like the whole thing was like, you watch this relationship implode in real time where she had basically been like sleeping around on him. Is that when they had like the envelopes and they yeah. would open it to say whether it was yes something? Yeah. So uh, I'll just ask you this before we get into the question. Did you and your husband have a nice honeymoon? <laughs> it was nice. Frank? Yeah, you had a good time. You enjoyed it, so. Question 14. Do you believe you might have been in love with a former boyfriend on your wedding day? $100,000, but I'm sure I'm not the only one watching this program wondering if that $100,000 is worth it given what we're doing. But it's your world, your relationship, your choices. Frank, were you aware that she had those feelings on your wedding day? Uh, no. I knew that she did have feelings for 
know, export bins. And everybody does. I didn't know that you might have been in love with them. Lauren, one more question to get you $100,000. Unless you tell me to stop. I can't talk you into stopping, Jenna. <laughs> no, I'm ready for number 15. And that was just one of those things where, like, they were... The commercials for the show sometimes are better than the actual show, where they were really knew what moment to pick out of an episode to tease you, and you'd sit there and watch this, and you'd wait for it, and you'd wait for the moment. It would probably come at the end, and they'd have to back up, like, 20 seconds after every commercial break, and there was a lot of padding on these shows. Yeah. Um, but the two game show competitions and I don't even know if this first one is a game show but it was sort of a I couldn't I couldn't put it anywhere else you have the swan oh god and you have who wants to marry a millionaire Amanda Byron hosted the swan this that show why did we this we I, watched this thing almost all the way through I could not no we watched the whole thing yeah, we did watch okay and I could not stop I just could not stop watching it and what a, I, I was like happy for them because like a lot of these women had terrible teeth. Yeah, so the, the and credit, so they, at least they got like yeah. free dental care. So, yeah, so the the back the back about this is that the show was that people, that women were given like massive dental work and plastic surgery. It, it was like extreme makeover. makeover. Yeah. But what was yeah like it was these women who were supposed. This is what I hated about it, but somehow I still watch the whole thing was these women were supposedly like ugly ducklings that mm -hmm. were going to then be turned into the swan. Yeah. And then at the end, one of them would win. I don't yeah. remember what they won. Like somebody won something at the end of it. But yeah, and one of the plastic surgeons was Terry Dubrow or whatever, mm -hmm. the guy who, um, who's a husband of one of the chicks on Real Housewives. I mean, he's been on um, Botched and you know, yeah, Doctor Nine Hundred Two and O or whatever. Like he's been. I mean, he's been in the game forever. Yeah. Um, he was one of the plastic surgeons on that show, and he's been a. He was a plastic surgeon on um, Extreme Makeover too. So he's been in it forever. Yeah. So each week, two women were featured in the episode's conclusion. One went home, while another was selected to move on to compete in the Swan Pageant at yes. the end of the chance to be deemed the Swan. Yeah, it was not great. Um, they aired two seasons. Oh, we didn't watch season two. Yeah, we didn't watch season two. And the idea was, the other thing was that I remember when they were, um, they went under the knife, they essentially not only isolated these people so that they could recover because if you've ever had plastic surgery um there's a significant recovery period yeah. the swelling goes down etc etc but they they had them sequestered to the point where they couldn't look in a mirror that's and right they the covered the mirrors and that's i right. want to say somebody got kicked off for cheating oh okay or something on that or something like somebody had a mirror there was there was some sort of you know like okay. in in-game controversy but this was one another one of those shows that 
faced an enormous amount of criticism and controversy, and rightfully so. Well, I think, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, the process of turning these women into swans. We're all, I mean, of course, you, like I said, getting your teeth fixed is fantastic. Good for you. Get your teeth fixed. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was a bit, it was so formulaic, right? It was hair extensions, nose job, boost job, you know, liposuction, liposuction, um, chin lift, you know, whatever, makeup, you know, whatever. And that was, they all ended up, it's, it's funny because actually this was pre-Real Housewives. Yeah. But they all looked like what, you know, after a while the Real Housewives all looked the same. They've all got the same Mm -hmm. implants and fillers and injections and weird duck lips and really highly Botox foreheads and, you know, whatever else. And, um, that template was set by these plastic surgeons who were doing the same thing on these women. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas Extreme Makeover, that kind of died out as well. Well, that's when they turned it into the Extreme home Makeover for home, home. Home Edition, because that that was that could be more. Um, and and for uh, for all I know, Extreme Makeover might have also had some more trauma associated with the people they were helping. I just remember reading Kathy Griffin's autobiography, and she talks about when she was on Extreme Makeover. She almost died from her liposuction. Mm. Like something went wrong with her lipo, and she almost died. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I know that like NBC had um, a show that uh, that's slated for a future episode or series, part of a series of episodes that we're planning. Had the the makeover show of The Biggest Loser. Oh God. But the the, the approach to The Biggest Loser, and to a certain extent, Extreme Makeover, especially Extreme Makeover Home Edition, there was always this fit of like inspirational programming behind it like there was they were very much the positive and the swan was trying to be positive but it was also this it was really trashy oh yeah the way that it was doing it and and they they really well they really played up like these women's lives like i'll I'll never forget one of the women i think she lived she lived in like yeah west virginia oklahoma Mm. or something and she lived in like the sad ranch house and you know, just basically, you know, looked very blue collar or yeah. what, and they just really played up of like, look at this sad woman in her trashy ass house, yeah. and now we're gonna turn her into a swan. And it's like, yeah, you're gonna turn her into a swan, and she's still gonna have to go back to her life that you think is so trashy. Yeah. And now she just has bigger boobs. Yeah. And better teeth. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. Like, but you know, I mean, damn. Yeah. But this was in you know those early the that. You talked about the we've talked about the late nineties, um, being that sort of pop. Um, I can't remember the phrase you used for the color schemes and stuff. Oh, candy color, candy color, yeah, candy colored thing. And then the two thousands really, for quite a while, was this sort of very superficial plastic. Oh yeah, there was it existence. was a hangover. Yeah, it, I, like I, I mean I've said before, like you. you there was just something about that time and the access to brands and products and stuff that you saw on celebrities. It just, it felt so much more attainable than it ever did. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know why it's weird. Like now, like, you know, when I look at what a celebrity, I mean, I guess it's just as attainable now if I wanted to get a, you know, a Goyard bag or if I wanted to go get a Louis Vuitton, well, I'd just go bug my mom, go borrow one of hers. But like, you know, you could, it's still quote unquote attainable, but like 
just the way it seemed like it just really normalized it. And I think yeah. I think when you think about the Real Housewives too, that also normalized a lot of plastic surgery. Like, well, yeah, why wouldn't you go get all that done? Yeah, well, what's interesting too with, with plastic surgery has come a long way and that there are plenty of people, especially people we watch on television who have had something done, but it's, it's done of such a quality that, you know, it still has to settle. Yeah, but like, you know, it's done such a quality that it's really, really good to the point where it's not as noticeable. Yeah. Like somebody's had a breast job done, but they, but it doesn't look like they have strapped to... You don't look like Tara Reid. Yeah, you don't look like Tara Reid. Or they've had a slight nose job or something. And again, it's it's subtle. You're not going the Michael Jackson route of, thing and, of things and stuff. Or you're not looking like a real housewife because you've had like too many things injected. I'm telling you though, I wonder if there will be a surge in plastic surgeries after this whole quarantine is over because having to stare at yourself on Zoom calls oh for God. like hours. Yeah, so so you had the swan again, it, it the only thing that really is of interest of this and we don't we only remember certain specific details of these shows is the sometimes it's the controversy they cause. So you have the swan where we I, if I close my eyes, I can maybe picture a contestant or two, but I don't remember the names of anybody. Oh, Whereas yeah. opposed to like Tony on Paradise yeah, Hotel, yeah. or that one contestant on Temptation Island who took the forty million vitamins. Yeah, I, I also remember. remember name. I, I, also, I remember Billy and Mandy. Mandy, I remember. But Mandy. I don't remember yeah, that Billy other and Mandy. name. And or or some of the people on some of the other shows, but you just remember some of the controversies they caused, or just how it was just like everything. You know, how it was just like every other show, but also just slightly trashier. But then you have something, but, but there were controversies like this one, or like who wants to marry a multi-millionaire. I don't remember this. Did we watch this? This was a, this was not a, it was not a series, it was a special. Fox presents the most outrageous pageant ever. 50 women will compete to marry a mystery multi-millionaire. She won't meet him till they say, I do. A two-hour event ending in a legal marriage on TV. Who wants to marry a multi-millionaire? Tuesday at 8 on Fox. So the, the idea was that these women competed in a pageant to marry somebody who was a, supposedly a multi-millionaire. They had no idea who this person was. They didn't see him until the very, very end. And he was ugly. He was hot. He was not hot. He was, he was okay. weird looking, yeah. They went through all these things, and the, the woman who won was named Darva Conger. <gasps> and I remember that. She, she did this, this whole thing about, like, they, they was down to her and somebody else, and I remember they had to kind of give the kind of their... Pitch and she did this whole thing. I will love and cherish you speech. Right. The guy's name was, and I want. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I want to say it was like Rick Rockwell or something. Yes. And he was kind of creepy looking. He was creepy he looking. Was, and now multi millionaire was like he was worth like two million bucks. There was some. There was some debate over how much he was actually worth. He had had a bit part in like Return of the Killer Tomatoes and some really shitty stand up career at some point. But this thing was like. It aired. It was. There was what I think John McEnroe hosted it or something, or or yes. it wasn't Mark Wahlberg, but somebody hosted. And it was a one night special. It was like for two hours on Fox. I believe it was live, and it was like I the biggest thing people talked about for the next like maybe week or okay. so. And then she appeared in like Playboy or something yeah. after that. Call me Celine because it's all coming back to me now. Yes, I remember. Now I remember. I yeah. remember Darva. I remember Rick Rockwell. I re okay, I remember that. Remember, 
remember the one where um it was hosted by like the guy who used to do the the um z100 morning show not out of Duran, but the guy before that sean valentine okay it was something about like getting married like something about like getting married at the almost like 98 fiance kind of thing love is blind kind of deal but something about like something to do with marriage and he was the host and i think it was a fox show but the other thing that i thought of when you um god now the floodgates are open memory married by america married by america like yeah like they like chose your they they chose your spouse yes. for you yes this was on fox in 2003 five single people agreed to be paired up sight unseen with strangers chosen by america they met and got engaged on the spot this is Love is Blind, except yes. it chose them for you. Yes. And then remember, I think it was ABC, which is really odd for them. Were they the ones who had the show Hot or Not, where, like, Lorenzo Lamas was one of the judges, and he had that laser pointer? And, like, people would walk up, like, women and men would walk up, and he'd basically judge whether they were hot or not, like, pointing out their flaws? I believe so. I want to say there. I remember that because it was, it it's, came from the old website. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, exactly. It was the old website. They turned it into a TV show. And, um, but I don't think it was Fox. I think it was, like, ABC or something. Like, they were trying to be edgy. ABC or NBC or something. But, um, I just remember being like, this old fucker has the nerve to, like, be pointing out people's flaws when, like, he's ancient. What the hell is happening? It was on ABC. 2003, The Search for America's Sexiest People, a reality television show that premiered in 2003 on ABC. Lorenzo Lamas, Randolph, uh, Rachel Hunter, and Randolph Duke were the judges. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, him and his laser pointer. God, what a latch. All right, <laughs> I feel vindicated. I remember when Hot or Not premiered, and people in the office were like, clicking through these things because like half of the things were people pictures people submitted and then half of these things were obviously like the before she took her clothes off pictures from an amateur porn site or something Gross. like that it's like the original um swipe left swipe right swipe left yeah it really was pretty much was um yeah but he wants to marry multi-millionaire again this, this again this whole idea of just this reality tv a lot of it is exploitation. You know, even the more classy competitive shows have a, have an edge of that. Like, The Amazing Race, I think, is one of the few that is most pure in its premise. Well, it's like an adventure, yeah, travel yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Survivor has, you know, they're, they're clearly taking advantage of some of these people and playing up the drama. But then we get into the documentary at reality shows, which was a kind of last stop at the tour. And we mentioned Kitchen Nightmares. Um, there was a boot camp show that ran for a little while. And then you had um, Trading Spouses, which is the Fox version of Wife Swap. Wife Swap. Which um, is, has nothing to do with key parties and stuff like that. No, it's, it's not more a bowl like, of keys. It's more like, you know, you, you're in the show with another couple and you, you switch spouses for a, for a period of time. I think it was a week like or, a week or something, two, like yeah, something like that. Yeah, and, and it was like, oh my God, what would happen... There was Renovate My Family and Nanny 911. And Nanny 911 was basically the ripoff of... Super Nanny. Super Nanny. Yeah, which yeah. is basically like, you know, your children are assholes because you don't know how to parent. So oh we're going to bring God. in this British woman. You feel who, like saying... It's not even the children that need the help. It's the parents. Like, parent your 
fucking kids. Yeah. Like, th there's the solution. Mm -hmm. There's the solution. Parent your goddamn kids. You had them. It's your responsibility. Quit unleashing this hellfire onto the world. Yeah, because maybe Mountain Dew and Nutella snacks and gummy bears are not good for a second grader at 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> you know, like, it's not even like food. It's just like, t learn to tell your kid no. Yeah. No, you can't do that. Yeah. Why? Because I said so. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 that's a line that has worked for time immemorial. Yeah. Do like stop trying to be your kid's friend. Yeah, you're their parent. Get a grip. Tell them no. They will live. It'll be fine. Yeah, because you had the like. Cause, and that was basically what that was. That was just the next step down from the 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 trashy reality show contestant on the dating show was that was the parent and the parent. And, like you rarely had any sympathy for these parents. Mm -hmm. It was it was one step above a Doctor Phil episode half the time. Because yeah. Because the people on Dr. Phil were even worse because half the time the people on Dr. Phil, you were just like, yeah, you know, why? It, yeah, exactly. I feel like the girl, the girl, the drunk girl, you don't want to talk to her at a party where I'm like, why and how and when and what? <laughs> and then you had stuff like my big fat obnoxious boss and my big fat obnoxious fiance. Which if they're big fat and obnoxious, why are they your fiance? I don't know. I I know that I know that they sourced those people directly from the Northeast. Yes, they right? they probably did. I don't think we ever really watched. Oh, we it. never watched I that. Know, I know that the title they were the title because it was the big, big fat, fat Greek, Greek wedding. wedding. Yeah, was uh, was you know had been popular, but again, so many of these shows are just people acting like assholes, and let's put them I on know. camera. There was a. Now, Bridezilla's was a cable show that they did a one-off special on Fox for. Okay. Because it was a cable series somewhere on Deep Cable. It might have been on Style or some other channel where it was they were following four or five different uh, weddings that were taking place. And it might have been over a series or maybe like they cycled them in and out. And what they did for about an hour and a half, two hours on one special night on Fox was they clipped a bunch of those episodes together to show these you know, mm -hmm. what was going on. And the, the word Bridezilla had really come into its own back in the early 2000s. Right. And granted, we were, we were getting married and then mm -hmm. had just gotten married around the time this aired. But I do remember... The Shockingly, one, I was not a Bridezilla. Yeah. And all the Bridezillas were in New York. Of course and, they were. Uh, the one I remember was they had been running behind either the catering company or the wedding was running behind and the cocktail hour got cut. Oh, which was the like cocktail, cocktail hour. hour. Yeah. yeah. yeah now, yeah. It, it, it is not, it is nowhere near, the Brides of the Show was fun to watch. It was nowhere near the spectacle that was the MTV True, True Life. Life episode. Yes, about I'm getting married. I'm getting married with that couple from Staten Island they're still together, right? Oh, they had I, the I'd kids. Have to look I know they had the kids. I'm assuming they're still together. He probably talks about how he was on that show 20 years ago or so. Well, we're still talking about it. Yeah, well, it's because we have a memory for these things. But yeah, so it was just it was just all these shows were just basically like let's just give these these assholes like fame. Mm -hmm. And well, I mean that's basically reality TV, period. Mm -hmm. In a nutshell, the most obnoxious person wins. True, and and uh, a show that was at first obnoxious and then kind of endearing in a way was The Simple Life. 
Yeah. And this was the show where Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, who, uh, Nicole Richie, who really has made a much better career out of herself. Oh my God, she, talk about a second act. She completely turned it around. Yeah, she's currently a judge on Making the Cut, which is the... Is she is she a permanent judge or is she just a guest judge? No, she's, I think she's the judge. I think she's, she's yeah, she she's on the panel. On the panel on making the cut, which is the uh, Tim Gunn, Heidi Klum, uh, Amazon Amazon fashion show. Fashion show, yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, they were, you know, at the time, Paris Hilton was known for just basically being in Us Magazine because she's an heiress. You know, she doesn't really have any job. Her and her sister. And uh, her and Nicole Richie, I think they were they were going. They, they were, end up in like Alabama. Yeah, and in like a small town, living with a family on a farm, on and a they farm. have to do chores. Yeah, it they was were, hilarious. Yeah, it was. It was actually like built a cow and do yeah. all these other things, and and it became like really endearing. Mm-hmm. Like, although of course, then you know, mo- like most of it was staged. Oh yeah, of course. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it actually, it, I mean, it introduced America to Nicole Richie. Nobody knew who she was. Yeah, until. She did yeah. that show, and she was it was she was a completely different like completely different look, and then you know I know she's been through some stuff, but yeah she seems to be okay now. Yeah, so I guess to to conclude because because the kind of come to a point to it all is that we've been watching these shows for. Um, God, this is almost shameful. Twenty years, <laughs> more than twenty years. If you go back to cops, and if you want to take your you want to take your purview beyond Fox to MTV, to other channels, it's been since we were teenagers, but just Fox reality in general, at least until about the 2010s, it kind of died. Babe, I mean, like, if you, if you, if you go back to 1988, yeah, 30 years, yeah, 30 years, not 20, talking, 30, we're, we were talking about some of the early stuff of America's Cops, but the, but the, the trashy reality oh, yeah, shows, 20, 20 yeah. years, after 2009, 2010, it starts to die down, where they get more into the competition type of stuff mm-hmm. so now we're watching the masked singer and i really i i enjoy that show way more than i ever thought i would yeah lego masters is on which is which is fun and other networks are very much doing the same thing because you have america's got talent on nbc you have the voice the voice idols back on ABC now, and and that seems to be the bread and butter of these things and these crazy, with the exception of The Bachelor, most of these crazy, trashy shows have really been relegated to either random summertime program where they're trying to bring something back, Love is Blind or Netflix, or like TLC, Discovery Deep Cable type of stuff that that we don't really watch as much anymore anyway. It'll be interesting though, because this is so, Fox is such a they were so known for these types of shows and seeing how popular Love is Blind was, is Fox going to pivot and be like, we're back. We're going to do it again. Um, <laughs> but Okay, so like, here's the thing. So like, from the time we graduated college in 1999 to now, we've had 20 years of television and there have been some elite shows that have come on. And we have watched some of them. We watched about half to most... We le- quite a bit of The West Wing. We didn't watch all of it. We watched Lost. Mm-hmm. We've watched Mad Men. Um, Mad Men, but we've never seen The Wire. N- no. We never watched Breaking Bad. No. Never watched Game of Thrones. Ugh, no, it's too much rape. Um, some of the more elite television that we've heard of. Now we started watching Succession, which is kind of like, look at these assholes. Is basically what we're watching. At least that's made up. But some of these, some of these shows that become the sort of golden age and make up on the. 
those those top ten moments in television history that don't seem to have any moments from prior to nineteen ninety nine on them for some reason, you know, like, and that, you know, we've never really watched this, and yet we always gravitate toward this shit. Yes. <laughs> um, now, granted, we do watch some stuff that's a little higher quality because you and I watch a lot of cooking and travel shows by PBS because we just find that really just it, in a time when anxiety is high and. You you need more sleep. Watching America's Test Kitchen oh, and yeah. Rick Steves Europe at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night is better than watching Breaking Bad or something like that, or The Sopranos or something like that. You know, oh, you, my God. You know, well, it's more I, soothing. I was just thinking about The Sopranos the other day because I completely stopped watching. Like I just, st- I'm notorious for this. If I, I will just abandon something. I don't mm-hmm. sit there. I don't worry. I don't feel like I have to see it through. If I'm if I start reading a book and I don't like it, I stop reading it. If we're watching a show and we get to a point in the season where I'm like, I can't watch this anymore, I stop. Even if it's in the middle of the season, I have no obligation complex about any of it. I will just move on. And with The Sopranos, it was the episode where Ralphie beats his pregnant girlfriend's head against a guardrail and kills her. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. I did I, not even finish the I season. I didn't finish. Huh. I didn't do it. Da- and I was in the shower the other day, and for some reason that just popped in my head, and I was like, yeah, I'm still good with that decision. Yeah, because my, my favorite episode <laughs> of that entire show is the one where uh, Polly Walnuts and Christopher are stuck in the Pine Barrens. Oh, yeah. The Pine Barrens is the best. Well, it's a bottle It's a bottle uh, yeah, episode. The, it's, it's, it, but other than that, but you're right. I'm like, I couldn't remember why we stopped watching. It was just after a while, uh, we were just... Well, and it was just like, how many women are... Again, how many women are going to get raped yeah, yeah, and beaten and, or whatever? And when he beat her like that, I was like, you know what? I'm done. Yeah, and and like you know, and the funny thing is, is that um, I am actually the opposite. And this is somebody who, as, as somebody who's collected comic books, and like you know, stayed with a run of a book or a run of a show like way past when most people, you know, well, had left that's it. why we're still married. Yeah, because <laughs> like we, you're you 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 just want to see it through. Yeah, so through like like we watched um, like one of the shows that we stopped watching right at the beginning of its last season was Alias. Yes, um, I went back and rented that via Netflix. Um, when it first came out on DVD and Netflix, and I just yeah. watched it. And I remember I was like, Tell me what happened. Yeah, and, and I told you, you told me, happened. and I was like, Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, so it was just. Um, but then there are some. Like others. Empire. Did, completely stopped watching it in the middle of like season three. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever saw any of season two, to be honest yeah. with you. I think just the last episode done. I saw was the end of season one. Yeah. I was like, yeah. All right. And um, and maybe once in a while I'll, I'll think about like picking up another show that we abandoned. Even or something like that, or going back and rewatching. Well, like Peaky Blinders, I was I was I was looking at like some a friend shared some meme of it, and I was like, damn, I like why am I why are we not still watching? It's short. Yeah. Killian Murphy is hot in it. Why aren't we just finishing it? And so like part of me is like we should just go back and yeah, but like what's interesting with those is like it takes us more of an effort to sit there because maybe because we have to pay attention. Yeah, that's my downfall. And follow the shows. (laughs) It's not my strength. And as an adult, there's almost only so much mind space you have, and and sometimes with some of these shows, I feel that there's sort of a an expectation factor of you've heard people talk about this, and this is this is uh, some of the people treat it like it's high art. In a way that, like, whereas you and I grew up on in from in a period where television was never considered high art, it was considered always B level to a film. So mm-hmm. we watch, but granted, we watched some of the best TV that was ever put on. We've watched years and years of, of classic sitcoms that are that still hold up really, mm-hmm. really 
really well and classic dramas and some of which are you know cheesy for their time but there's always cheesy crap but you know but now you have you know when you watch what's nominated for an Emmy and it, it so like when you try to get into something like that there maybe I set myself up like there's the expectations are so high and that sometimes when I don't like something I'm like yeah but your default is you always you you get like immediately like defensive when like well not maybe not defensive but you get like kind of like obstinate when people are like oh this is great this is great you're like well I'm just not gonna watch it because everybody else is so great and I don't want to watch it because everybody else likes mm. it now I would say the one the the most recent example of when actually I have enjoyed something as much as people told me I would enjoy it is Shit's Creek yes. Because we started, I mean, now, if, you're, if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to kind of have to muddle through, like, the first five or six episodes of season one mm -hmm. before you start to really appreciate yeah. it, and you just have to do that. Yeah, and yet, we weren't able to do that and successfully come out the other end of Kirby Enthusiasm. Oh, God, I because can't. Because we, we couldn't, because of Shit's Creek, yeah. we got, and, and Succession was kind of the same way as Shit's Creek, where we, as we started to get later into the first season of Succession, we're like... Oh, this is getting really yeah. good, but the first few episodes are like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, it's like rich people being miserable, yeah, which is and, fine. And in Shit's Creek, you're like, this isn't working, and Chris Elliott's here, and I'm like, <laughs> I, Chris Elliott is not somebody who I've ever really liked in many things, but um, but I was, but like, you know, I kind of kept with it, and then it just became like, um, you know, Dan Dan Levy yes. alone is is worth the price of admission on that show. And I, I think when it turned from, you know, where you were like, oh, okay, is this just kind of like a, a Christopher Guest movie light, in, you know, where it's like awkward and weird and whatever. And then when you realized it actually had heart, yeah, I think that's when it turned a corner. Yeah, because it because you you basically flipped the Beverly Hillbillies. Yes. Yes. You've taken the rich people and put them in the podunk. It's Green Acres. Yeah. And what they've done, and what I love about that show, and I know we're off topic, but it's yeah. Shit's Creek and it's a great show, is that some of those the premises for the episodes are very classic sitcom premises. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just so well done that it's it it really knows what it is, and that's what I love about it. Well, and, and it's just a nice show. I remember yeah. listening to... It was either Dan's interview on Keep It or um, another interview I heard on another podcast because I'm mm -hmm. that person who listens to a bunch of them where he was like, yeah, I'm not going to have people, I'm not going to have a character on the show who like throws throws a rock through my window because I'm gay. You know, yeah. like we're, he's like, there's enough negativity in the world. He's like, it's not negative. It's Shit's Creek. Yeah. People are good people. People are nice. Yeah. People, you know, like yes, people have their foibles, but we're not gonna be, we're not gonna have hate in our show because there's enough hate in the real world, and it's that that's where like you can watch that show and you're like, yeah, it's kind of it, it, it's you don't have to worry about like. A character you love getting like beat to hell in an alley because they're pansexual you yeah. know it's never gonna get that dark and it's a comedy that's got it's gotten nominated for Emmys before and hopefully it'll it'll win something because they're now I haven't there's a couple of comedies that have won the last couple of years that I'm like oh we probably should watch that because it, it like, might, Fleabag. like Fleabag but there have been comedies like Orange is the New Black won a couple of times and I didn't find the show funny when I watched it. Parts of it were funny. Well, the thing is, like, you know, it's... I watched the first... You know what? Again, that's another show I abandoned in the middle of season three when um, 
Taryn Manning got raped in the back of a bus and I was like, you know what? I'm done. Apparently, look at my trigger. Violence against women. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Well, because, um, because 99% of the time when there's a rape in a story, it doesn't need to be it, That's the thing. It, it just felt like I, it really pissed me off. I just, it, it really, it really angered me because like that show always kind of balanced like dark and light. I mean, yeah. like, you know, they, you, like you saw like the, I mean, I used to, um, I loved the show the first season and I was so excited when the second season came out. And by the third season, I was like, you know, this is, it, it, it's, it's telling a story it needs to tell. But then like, again, it felt like season three was like, she already had this trauma in her back. Cause you know, there's always flashbacks to each inmate yeah. and like what's going on. She had already had all this trauma in her life. And then like her character, like, yeah, gets raped again in the back of, of a prison van. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I don't need this. This is bullshit. And I, I didn't watch it. Yeah. I stopped watching it. Yeah. And, and it, what's interesting Cause is... Because, yeah, what's funny about that? Yeah, well, Nothing. that's why I'm like, well, how is that a comedy? And then, so, the escapism that should come from some of those shows... And Mad Men had his fair share of escapism. But, but Mad Men wasn't a... Considered a comedy, no, no, no. But even though it had some the, very funny moments. Yeah, yeah, but but it, it was a, it was a straight up drama. The escapism that some of these shows are so very serious in their premise that they are they are unnerving in 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 many ways and and thought provoking. But then this format becomes our escapism. This format becomes something that you can have on background noise half the time yeah. because, like you know. It, again, there's so much filler in some of these dating shows and in some of these silly competition shows that you can ignore half of it. Look, American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, yeah, you're just kind of like I mean, it's, it's, you do have to pay attention because, you know, you got to see them, like, complete the course or whatever, but like, you know, you could, you could have it on in the background, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and, and so it's just interesting how our viewing habits have, they've changed, but they haven't changed. You know, that like, we, we tend to watch a lot of stuff that is just basically filler and empty calories, so to speak. Yet we've been doing that since we were teenagers, and Fox was just feeding that beast for years and years and years. And I just I wanted to focus on these because when I started to think about the history of reality television, you had you had your MTV, and we could do we could do conversations on some of the better MTV, especially those late '90s shows like True Life itself was actually yeah. a really really good show. True Life is a great show. Made had its moments. Although it was basically, I used to jokingly call it nerd rehabilitation because after a while it was just this nerd wants to be popular. I totally forgot about Maid. And there was like, um, there was a plastic surgery show on MTV for a little while where it was like, they made people, they, people get plastic surgery look like celebrities. (gasps) Yeah. Remember that? I don't remember what it was called. And then you had some other shows, but then we would watch all the VH1 shows and stuff. So, oh, VH1 got dark. Fox was like the the big one for the longest time because they were just because they knew that if they could hook you in with one, and the next one would be advertised at the end of this one, they were they were just trying to keep you going. It was like they were your they were your dealer and stuff. So, so yeah. So thanks for coming on and, and talking for a little while about. Sure. about this and I will be right back to wrap things up
I hope he's home. Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? I told you never to call me again. Yeah, I know. And modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much I don't care. Look, I'm getting the trailer for this year's JL May together, and I assumed I had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something. <laughs> well, look at you leading this year's JL May. Somebody's wearing his big boy pants. So what's the theme? I sent you an email like a month ago. Like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020 with a special episode of Views from a Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant. And from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes! Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. J.L. May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020, on Views from the Long Box and continues into Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, Relatively Geeky Presents, Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, and the Dr. DC Podcast. And the trailer you just heard sets up my next episode, which is part of the annual J.L. May crossover. So head over to the Fortress of Bailytude Network to hear all about Countdown to Infinite Crisis, and come back here where I will be talking about the life, death, and especially the miniseries, The Return of Donna Troy. Until then, you can leave feedback on Apple Podcasts. You can get in touch with me on the blog for the show notes. And you can get on the Facebook group, the Twitter feed, and all those things. And as always, thank you very much for listening. And take care. They used to belong to Cuba Gooding Jr. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. 
which is produced by me, Tom Panneries. All clips are copyright their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This podcast is a part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you can find at twotruefreaks.com. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show get noticed by other people. Feedback via email can be sent to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. For show notes and essays and other things random in the world of popular culture, visit popcultureaffidavit.com. You can also follow this show on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit and on Twitter at popaff, that's P-O-P-A-F-F. Thanks for listening and come back next time for more pop culture randomness.